the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We all feel offended at times. The danger is when we hold on to it and view everything done by the person who offended us only through the lens of that hurt. We think they should have known better or at least apologized, but much of the time, people are not even aware that they offended us. Jesus tells us in Matthew 18, 15, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. I've learned when someone does something insensitive to me to ask them about it on the spot. And if for some reason this is not wise, I go to them privately, but as soon as possible. My worst response is just to brood over it or start to talk to others about the person, but never allow the person to correct themselves or explain. One writer says, only cowards hide behind silence. Sometimes the reason we are so bitter is not because of what people have done, but because of our own lack of courage to speak up when it happened. For more, go to gracechurchva.org. That's gracechurchva.org. And as always, live big. Tomorrow can be bigger Just grow, let the world overflow, yeah Live a life bigger than yourself You're created for greatness Live a life bigger than yourself You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. Today, we will hear a classic message that we believe will be a blessing to you. Our goal is to teach God's Word in a way that compels you to live a life that overflows and blesses others. Let's join Bishop Greer as we continue the teaching from our previous broadcast. God intentionally decided to put the children of Israel into harm's way. He could have said, well, listen, you know, hurry up before the Egyptians catch you. Uh, you know, hurry up, I'm, I'm going to get you. No, he said, turn back and go in the direction of those only God knew were chasing them. God intentionally set them up for confrontation with evil. John chapter 11, verse 14. Jesus says something that would not be proper pastoral bedside manner. But Jesus is not some little silly preacher. He's God taken on flesh. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, guys, I need you to man up about something. Lazarus is dead. The Bible says that Lazarus was a friend of God. Next time you sing, I am a friend of God. Keep this in mind. It might cost you something. He said, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad. Now, now, come on. We're going to a funeral. Bishop's in the car, pastor's in the car, and I turn to Ephraim. I'm glad that person died. I need you to get what was really going on in this moment. And there are times that we are crying, we are moaning and groaning before God. And God looks at you and says, I'm glad. That's some hard stuff, ain't it? He said, and for your sake, I'm glad he's dead. 
I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. So many of us are crying, oh, God, why? And God said, I am so glad about that situation you're in. He sees it from a different angle. God said to me this week, actually it was this morning. He said to me, son, you bring me so much pleasure. Oh, good. But I want some glory. You know, it's nice to be a good old Christian and please God. But glory is a completely different matter. I think in the weeks ahead, we'll spend some time on that. Let's get back to the text. He said, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through the man that hates you. Through the boss that hates you, through the relative that hates you, through the, 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 the wrong charges that come against you. Are you hearing me? I will gain glory. Well, God is saying to me, son, thank you. You please me. Yeah, but I want glory. I'm going to get you in some situations, boy, that people are going to write you off for dead. People are going to write you off as out. Are you hearing me? And when you get back up again, they're going to say that ain't nothing but God. Amen. Am I alone in this room? Listen, you know, in the outer court of the tabernacle is a place of petition. You see, in the Bible, Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer. Most of those prayers are petitions. Lord, help me to forgive. Lord, give me some food. It's it's, it's petitions. You see, most of us have learned the Lord's Prayer, but haven't learned to pray as the Lord prayed. You see, when Jesus spoke to the crowds... He would preach often or teach out of court truths. It wasn't until he got with the disciples that he would teach inner court truths. You see, on the outer court, it's, you know, give me, you know, pay my bills. It's it's, it's heal my body. Lord, help me forgive. But when you get into the inner court, the concern is not those types of petitions. It's the glory behind the veil. And in the early part of the Gospels, he he teaches everybody, you know, how to get what you need, the Lord's Prayer. But when you get to John chapter 17, we watch how the Lord prays. And there's no petition about give me some food or, or, or help me to forgive. It's about the glory of God manifesting in the earth. See, I've come to a place of tremendous out of court blessing. I mean, the the heart, the the houses, the cars, the lack, you know. God has shown me how to be successful. Listen, I passed through the outer court to go into the inner court. Now, at one point in my life, success was an important thing, but not anymore. When you get out of the outer court, it's not about success. It's about glory. It's about, Lord, take my life, what remains of it, next 45 years, and bring glory to your name through me somehow. And that's my cry. That's my prayer. Don't ever settle for success when God's called you to glory. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh. I'm going to raise up some Antichrist. I'm going to raise up some haters. I'm going to raise up a Goliath. But through you whipping that Goliath, are you hearing me? Folks are going to sing songs, preach sermons, and the rest. I believe God was very pleased with David while he was tending those sheep on the backside of the But his problem in life didn't start when he was pleasing God. It started when he brought God glory by taking down the Philistine. You ain't seen no trouble 
until glory becomes your aim. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know. You see, baby, you're going through this so others might know. This wasn't even for the Israelites to know. This is for the world, the Egyptians to know. So God will set up battles, a difficulty in your way to show all that are watching the greatness of your God. So that the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. But watch this. So the Israelites did this. They didn't just think about it. They didn't just pray about it. They did it. So after you're done thinking, after you're done praying, do it. The problem with a lot of us, we think about a lot of stuff. We pray about a lot of stuff, but what do we do? The Israelites did it. You need to, God honors that even if you're a mess, because we're about to discover they're a mess. But because they obeyed, there was a blessing. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Sometimes you get so deep out with God that you don't get it all right. Because you went that far. Peter, listen, I know you should just believe, but listen, I'm going to grab you while you sink because you, you're the only one that came out of the boat. You did come out of the boat. You didn't do it right. You start looking at the winds and the waves, but I'm going to catch you because you dared to come out of the boat. Verse seven, he took 600 of his best chariots, speaking of Pharaoh, all along with all the other chariots of Egypt and with officers with him. Again, this is an organized army, not a ragtag group. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The second mention of the hardening of the heart. He is a demon-possessed man. So that they pursued the Israelites who were marching out what? Boldly. Now, there's still a level of boldness um, they, because they don't know. Okay, They don't know the Egyptians are, 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 are behind them. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses. Did they say all? And Pharaoh was about to, to make an example of them. All of Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them. You say, well, God, I thought I was in your will. How is it that I'm overtaken by this thing again? I thought you delivered me out of this thing. Come on, Moses had ten plagues. They, 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 They killed a lamb and put blood on the door. How is it that I have to face this thing again? Bible says that they pursued and overtook them as they camped by the sea. As the Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. God intentionally told them to be in this geographic spot. Just because you're facing a hardship, just because you're hemmed in, doesn't mean you're out of God's will. Again, it's probably a setup. The Bible says that they were terrified. And remember how bold they were just a few miles ago? But when confronted with the real prospect of war, they folded. And they cried out to the Lord. And we're about to hear the supplications pretty much of a prayer beating gone to hell. I want you to notice something in this verse 11. In verse 10, it says they cried out to the Lord. But in verse 11, it says they cried out to Moses. Did you notice that? What you say to genuine God-appointed leaders, God takes personally. Well, here they are having this prayer meeting, and here's the prayers. Lord, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to this desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? 
Didn't we say to you in Egypt, you know, when, when you wanted to take me, I had an argument and, and I, you know, I, I thought I had a better idea about what I should do. And I, I said, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. Wow, they'd rather be a slave. But I'm like, kill me. I, I don't want to be nobody's slave. But this is, this is them. That's okay. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the middle of this desert. Basically, they're saying we're all going to die. It's all over. God, you're wrong. God, you made a mistake, and, 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 and the church is wrong. I'm through with this church thing. I'm through with this God thing, and, and I told you it wasn't going to work. God, I prophesied to you it wouldn't work, and guess what? It's not working, oh God. You hear me? <laughs> Look, I can do that because I'm guilty too, okay? Been there, done that. Got the T-shirt, bumper sticker, and everything. But watch Moses. The people panic. That's why it's important to have righteous leaders in your life. When people come to you with foolishness, you join in, you become equally as foolish, or do you answer? A leader answers. All of you are called to lead. All of us are influencers in our realm of authority. Moses answered the people. I would rather be a lion leading a flock of sheep than be in a pride of lions led by a lamb. It says here, Moses had an answer. Have you learned to answer unbelief, doubt, and fear when it begins to come in your direction? Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. I'm ending this silly prayer meeting. Some prayers are not worth praying. I know you think you're being religious, all this, but that is faith and unbelief. Stop it. He said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring today. But what's what's the requirement? Don't you run away. Don't you panic. You get back in line. You get back in your row. Get back in your collar. You salute. You stand. And after doing all to stand, you continue to stand. Are you hearing me? Moses answered the people. The only reason this miracle happens at the Red Sea was because one man had an answer. And for some of your families, the only reason your family is going to make it through whatever crisis they're in is because that one person in this service who's going to learn to give the right answer. Tell everybody, calm down. It's going to be okay. Be still and know that he is God. So stand firm. In other words, it's time to dig in. Don't run. Dig in. You know, make shovels and get in foxholes right now. Dig in, stand firm, and, and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Hear me. He didn't say after today you won't have any more problems. He's just saying you won't have that problem. You see, in the promised land, there were Canaanites, Amalekites, Moabites, and Ites. You're going to have some problems, no longer that problem. Things that have plagued your family line for 400 years, like these Egyptians, that have kept you oppressed and in bondage. If you hear more than a preacher and you hear the word of God today, you're going to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying to you, these Egyptians you see today, You will never, 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 never 
If you would stand firm, don't run this time. Don't back away this time. When unbelief and doubt comes, answer it. Speak to your mountain, your circumstance, your situation. Tell it, peace be still, calm down, because my God is God. These Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Some issues you carry in with you today. I'm not saying there ain't going to be no problems when you get to the new place, but problems that have come up to this place. The Bible, just like the Bible said, the water come this far, come no further. God speaking from heaven, you come this far, but you come no further. It stops right here. It stops right here. It stops here. It's over. The Lord will fight for you. You don't need to go and take a lesson in jujitsu or taekwondo or karate. I got this one, baby. I love those. See, when they got into the promised land, they had to do some fighting. God said, y'all ain't ready. You're not ready. And I'll only let you go through that which you're able to bear up under. You're not ready to fight that type of fight. So I got this one. And when you go to a new level with God, typically at the outset, he's like, I got this, baby. Don't I got this. Just watch what I do. And the next time you do what I just did. You hear what I'm saying? He said, the Lord will, will fight with you. But here's the condition. You need to only be still. Just do one. Don't run. I know you feel nervous. I know you feel upset. But just stand your ground. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? This, this, I love this passage of scripture because it, it, it speaks to my experience like it does yours. See, the Bible doesn't record any prayer that Moses prayed. But Moses was so connected with God that God felt his heart. And you see, Moses was strong on the outside, but there was some trembling going on in the inside. He was like, Lord, I just told these people they're going to be all right. I see this big old army. I see this border. Oh, God, you know what I'm saying? Lord, I'm saying, God, that was going on on the inside. And he's like this, you know, on the inside. God. But God in his grace says, Moses, I'll deal with your emotions later. Right now, just do what I asked you to do. And the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to what? Move on. Right now, Moses, the anointing is not on another prayer meeting. The anointing is on the word move. The anointing is on the word go. The anointing is on the word do. Sometimes you got to do it even when you're afraid. Just do it. And even though you're trembling on the inside, as you do it, God will manifest himself and show himself strong. Then he says, Moses, raise your staff. This has been a word to me over the last few weeks. I'd seek God about, actually, we're in a crisis right now. We don't have enough seats for the people. We have weeks now where people are coming to church and they're leaving because there's no place to sit. And, you know, that may not be a big deal to you. You're like, well, you get other people. No, 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 you don't understand. And we, we want, this is why we do what we do to reach folk. Yes. I mean, send a man, again, face 20 demons to get to this place. Then he has to walk out. That breaks my heart. So we, we, we have a, a problem here, not enough seats. And then on the other side, we have stuff costing eight, nine, 20 million. I mean, just crazy. And I feel hemmed in. Like, Lord, what, what am I supposed to do? And he's saying, son, raise your staff. And I'm a practical guy. And I don't pretend to know something I don't know. He keeps saying, raise your staff. And I have to be like, listen, God, I don't have a staff. <laughs> 
I mean, both of my legs are strong. I don't even walk with a cane. What do you mean, raise your staff? So I, I've been going back and forth with God for a little while. It's like, there your staff. I'm like, yeah, I mean, how? What? what? How do I do that? And then this portion of scripture, <laughs> Exodus 4 and 2. The Lord looked at Moses. He said, Mo, I know you're in a tough situation, dude. I understand where you are. Moses, what's that in your hand? A staff, he replied. What is your staff? It's whatever you have in your hand. It's whatever your experience. It's it's whatever power that you bring to the table. Moses was a shepherd. That staff, you know, wasn't worth much money. Every shepherd had a staff. Just carve it out of tree. So it wasn't the value of the staff, but the value of the one who God, who, who Moses put the staff into his hand. You hear what I'm saying? I didn't know if I said that right, but you know what I mean. If you submit a $1 bill to God, he knows how to make that $1 spend like $50. He's God. And when you learn to give God whatever it is in your hand, as simple as it may be, but when you render unto Caesar that which is sin, but render unto God that which is God, power, what is ordinary, becomes extraordinary when you take what's in your hand and give it to him. He said, what's in your hand? He said, a staff, Lord. This thing I've been carrying for years. Lord said, do something with it. There are things in your life that you've had for years. There's potential abilities dormant on the inside that exist. But when you finally begin to do what God wants you to do with that thing that's been with you all that time, the Lord said, Moses, take what you have. Don't just hold it. Do something with it. Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. And it became a snake. And he ran. I understand this. It can become very frightening to discover the real power that's been lying dormant in you all these years. But you need a God moment, a God encounter to loose that which you've always had. You just didn't have the inspiration to release it. He threw it on the ground. It became a a snake. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. He says, son, your gift is real. That this potential that's now become uh, is more than potential. It, it, it's literal. It, it, it's factual. Don't be afraid of it. Just learn to manage it. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into an ordinary staff. But when you become obedient with what's in your hand, You remove all the limits, are you hearing me, off of your life, your calling, your circumstance, everything. Let's go back to 1416. God looked at Moses and said, raise your staff, the thing I've already given you. And then it says, and stretch out your hand. You see, worship on this spot, true worship requires both hands. Lord, I bring before you what I already have, and Lord, I bring before you what I hope to have. 
God, I bring before you everything I am and everything I'm not. Lord, I worship you in this spot. I know I'm hemmed in on every side. But it's time to worship both hands extended to the almighty God. And this is what we must do if we're going to see the deliverance and salvation of our God. He said, raise your staff, stretch out your hand over your problem. Over the thing that's been blocking you, worship in that spot. Over the sea. And it's going to divide, baby. And the Israelites are going to go over on dry ground. God's about to make a way out of no way. That's just what he does. And we know the end of the story. 600 chariots were destroyed in the Red Sea. This has been a classic edition of the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer, pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. Our prayer is that this teaching from God's Word strengthens and inspires you to live a life bigger than yourself. So remember, you can access this message and much more for free at gracechurchva.org. And we also invite you to join the Grace Church family for service online by connecting on our website or on YouTube at gracechurchva.tv. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes to live big. How often do you praise God? Only when something special happens, when you go to church or hear a certain song? The Bible teaches we should praise God at all times. Psalms 113 verse 3 says, From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Maybe I'm not as contemporary as you are, but I've learned to praise God in all situations, in victory and defeat, when I'm in need or experiencing plenty, when I'm happy and when I'm sad. Praise may not immediately change every situation, but it will change my perspective until God does. Try this. The next time you're discouraged, start praising God. When you feel overwhelmed, start praising God. When your relationships are in trouble, start praising God. I know it gets hard sometimes, but I want you to take the next 24 hours to praise the Lord at every opportunity and watch how quickly everything inside you shifts. For more, go to gracechurchva.org. That's gracechurchva.org. And as always, live big. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.